This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A Living History Production. I'm Peter Hart. And I'm Gary Bain. And together, we're... Pete and Gary's Military History Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Peter Hart and I'm with lovely old Gary Bain, uh, who is uh, very very festive. uh, You're wearing a lovely uh, reindeer outfit. I am. I've got the front on and uh, you're going to be the back. (laughs) <laughs> Very the progress of a reindeer. Yep, that's perfect. Perfect. It brings a whole Merry thing. Christmas. Merry Christmas, listeners. Well, three days before going, but have we gone too early? Well, we might have done, but hopefully uh, there'll be lots of laugh or cries wrapped up underneath the Christmas oh, tree. I can picture them there. Oh, imagine the the happy look of one's well, wife yes. or, or husband. Depending on which and way. The look of disappointment. The look of disappointment as they open it. What is our Christmas offering, Pete? Our Christmas offering is oh, it's a lovely festive episode. Of, we're going back to the Fife and Fourfire Yeomanry, which uh, hopefully some of them will be unwrapping burning steel. Um, but um, um, which is the story of the second Fife and Fourfire Yeomanry. And we've been doing, as you know, Gary although you may have forgotten, uh, a series on the 54 fars, as you call them. Uh, and uh, and uh, this time it's Christmas in the Ardennes. Why use four words when you can use 56? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> so... Christmas, it's coming. Hey! And the men of the second Fife and Four Fire Yeomanry were intent... You've entirely given up on how to say four for properly, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> they were intent on enjoying the festive season, ensconced as they were, in comfortable billets in Eeps. We've heard of Eeps, haven't we? Now, for the Scots amongst them, the siren call of the New oh, Year's oh, Eve was beckoning. After all they'd endured, this was going to be a time to remember, even amidst a world war. But somebody else had plans. Who would that be? Well, that'll be the Germans, who were intent on spoiling everyone's festivities. The Allied offensive had been effectively stalled since October, and the Germans had used this breathing space to reorganise and amass an intimidating force and uh, that had a specific objective, Pete. What was well, that? Well, that's basically, they're going to launch a concerted offensive 
to disrupt uh, the already fragile American and British supply route. Uh, and it, this is what would become known as the Battle of the Bulge or, or the Ardennes Offensive, if you're actually not silly. Um, and uh, it's a big thing. 400,000 men, 4,000 guns and 500 tanks were assembled uh, covertly with uh, the, the bad weather. This is crucial, isn't it? Why, why does the bad weather help? Well, it conceals troop movements from the Allied reconnaissance aircraft. And on the 16th of December, the German Army Group B, that's the 5th, 6th and 7th Armies, were unleashed in a devastating surprise attack on the American 1st Army in the wooded Ardennes area. Now, they're intended to smash all their way via Dinant and Brussels all the way through to Antwerp. So you could see that had a, that would have a devastating effect on uh, on Allied supply routes and communications. Um do they succeed? Yeah, for a while, the, the Germans break through and it looks as if the situation was critical as the Americans had few reserves in the Ardennes sector. However, isolated American units fought some brave rearguard actions. They did, and, and let, this is one of the few chances we get a chance to play tribute to the, the role of those somewhat heroic American units. Uh, uh, we don't know much about them because we're pretty well ignorant on the Second World War, but they did do Promotion well. Promotion with Pete and Gary. <laughs> right. Uh, so the, they held key points, they carried out demolitions, and they slowed the overall uh, German advance. Uh, um, now, so at first, the Battle of the Bold seemed irrelevant to the Second, Fife and Fourth Fire Yeomanry. But on the 20th of December, Colonel Alex Scott was called to a 29th Armoured Brigade briefing. Now, they're all to move it to the east as, as, as quickly as possible to stop the Germans crossing the Meuse River and threatening Antwerp. And this caught many of the regiment uh, by surprise, including our favourite, Major Douglas Pinky. Hutchison, who was, uh, but this time he was uh, in charge of A Squad. He's at the headquarters of A Squad. What does he, well, why is he unprepared, Gary? We had organised A Squadron dance, and the following morning there were a good many hangovers. I'd been to the dance, and certainly I had a hangover. Uh, then we got the warning order that the Germans had broken through in the Ardennes, and we were to stand by to go back pick up our old tanks in Brussels and get down to the Ardennes. Now, the, the, the point about this is that their, their tanks, had been, they were changing to Comets and they'd uh, handed in their Shermans and they were awaiting the arrival of the, of the Comets. So they, they were tankless. They were tankless or they were tanked up. Yes, hungover or not, an advance party was immediately dispatched to Brussels to locate billets and to find out what tanks they were to be equipped with and where they were exactly going to be picked up. And this is... Your favourite, Captain William Steele Brownlee of HQA Squadron. Bombshell! We were to move to Ardennes soonest. Forget the comets, leave all heavy kit behind, pick up our old Shermans in Brussels, get to the Meurs and help stop Von Rundstedt. Advanced party to leave at 13.30, self for A Squadron, Jimmy for B Squadron, who were short of officers, in scout cars. Cup of coffee in haste. <laughs> Brussels in, and then he goes on. Brussels was in turmoil. Population very scared. We laid out areas for billets. There'd been no time for details. And I was sent as regimental guide to a point in the suburbs where our column of trucks was expected. They were late. It was cold and pouring with rain. V1s were passing overhead. Very depressing. I think it's actually Alst 
double A-L-S-T. It is. Sorry, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's my eyesight, ours. isn't it? Uh, now, they were followed that afternoon by the massive Sherman crew, crews who were all heading for the uh, Laken Reinforcement Tank Park. And there were row after row of Shermans in various states of repair. So what do they do? What do they do? What are the lads going to do? Well, a lot of them searched for their old tanks, which they'd handed in just a few days before. Now, why? Why would they want their own tanks? Surely, Gary, one Sherman's the same as another Sherman. Well, no, they'd, they'd been customised to their own taste and, and specific requirements. Ron Forbes was fortunate enough to find his old steed. <sighs> and this is Trooper Ron Forbes of Four Troop B Squadron. When we went back to Brussels to pick up the Sherman, Bert Moir and I, we said, right, boys, we'll see if we can get Ansmuir back. Lucky enough, when we got into the big tank park, we managed to get hold of Ansmuir, a 17-pounder. That's a firefly, isn't it? It was snowing a lot. We got white paint and painted the tanks white. And we had these winter tank suits, insulated material, which were very good. Now, they're, they, they're the sort of zoot suits, aren't they? And they're very, very much appreciated because uh, the weather was getting nastier and nastier. It's not just raining soon. And this is Sergeant Jim Thompson-Bell, who's Sea Squadron. Before we had the zoot suit, we just had our normal battle dress blouse and trousers. When it got cold, you put a pullover underneath the blouse. Some people, uh, people had balaclavas. They were sent from home. Zoot suits were a type of heavy cotton. The lining was khaki, a sort of flannelette type thing, and they used to keep the cold out. Hmm. Turn out your pyjamas. My gym jams have to be uh, very... Uh... Flame-proof. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I made myself laugh. Now, not all the Shermans and Fireflies were ready for action, and the men spent a day selecting, checking, and carrying out minor modifications or repairs to their selected tanks. But still, by 10 o'clock on 21st of December, eight tanks from C Squadron, five from B Squadron, they're ready for action, and they set off for Namur. Namur. Now, uh, within a few more hours, the rest of the, the, the regiment follows. And uh, this is quite an achievement, isn't it? This is speedy. Uh, but it's all part of just a much larger response from the British Army under the guidance of Montgomery, I suppose, who may have dropped a complete bollock at, uh, at, uh, at the Arnhem affair, but he does well here. Now, now on, arrival, on arrival, they found that they were to be part of the hastily thrown together R-Force oh. with several assorted infantry units, sappers and an anti-aircraft unit. And their role was simple. They shall not pass the MERS. Now, this is uh, Captain William Steele Brownie. Uh, just Steele Brownie. I must stop saying William. Uh, still, a, still a day squadron. And he says, First slide, we went through the town and over the MERS bridge, which was wired for demolition and defended by a scratch force collected from all kinds of units, looking nervous and checking everyone's papers. There were latrine rumours about German parachutists disguised in captured American uniforms. But our main worry was that some bloody fool would blow the bridges with us on the far side. We motored on a, a few miles to Airpens and are deployed in defensive positions on high ground. All we knew was that the situation was fluid so that an enemy thrust could come our way. This was welcome in a way, for we were camouflaged with a good field of fire, quite the opposite of the situation in Normandy, but nothing came. Yeah, they had a good field of fire. In Normandy, the Bacage, you could often only see 50 yards, if that. Now, A Squadron crossed the river and climbed the high ground around the airport 
to the uh, Andoy Ridge. So that's the high ground that uh, Steel Brown is on about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they're trying to block any approach from Liège, while C Squadron covered the various MERS bridges and B Squadron was held in reserve, ready to leap into action as required. Now this is uh, Major Douglas Hutchison, who's uh, commanding A Squadron. The whole of the battle area, up until about Christmas, was in a dense fog, and the Germans had taken full advantage of that. Because, of course, the one thing we had command of was the air. We couldn't use it. Our role was to go forward a few miles onto the Andoy Ridge with a very good view of the main approach road. No infantry with us, just tanks. Every morning, we were out there by first light, and then we came back into Namur at dark. We never saw any Germans there. Now, this is interesting because what we discussed time and time again with the 5T4 files, and that was they'd learned that you have to have infantry support. Or, or tanks are very naked, uh, they're, they're, but they're vulnerable, aren't they? And, and that's why they pull back at night, because at night they're completely, they're just helpless. Now, for a while, the situation was extremely tense. As reports came in, fevered calculations were made to try and plot the German movements as best they could on their maps. Now, on Christmas Day, that's the 25th of December. Thanks, mate. Instead of celebrating in comfort in Ypres, uh, the, the 54 fires are, are replaced by the Welsh Guards at Nymur and they're ordered south along the Meuse to the Dinant crossings, which seemed to be where the Germans were heading for. Now, what do you think made this uh, a bit of a challenge? Can you imagine what... Has well, been... it's going to be weather, Pete. You mentioned it. It's, it's, it's really awful. And ice and snow, uh, it just made it... Really, really difficult. And this is Lieutenant Alex Gilchrist of Two Troop B Squadron. I was leading the squadron. I had a balaclava on and it was absolutely freezing. I had my head out of the tank the whole time, driving all that way. When I got down to Dinant, I tried to report back to the colonel and I found I couldn't speak. The air had frozen my nose to my lip underneath my balaclava. So the, the whole thing's frozen. I sometimes wish you could stick your head in the freezer then. I'm not speaking to you now. Don't try that at home, dear listener. No, no, on the contrary, try it, dear listener. On arrival, they discovered a strong force of American tanks was already in situ. So they fell back a little to a bare ridge and glumly waited for their next orders. Most had to make do with nothing for their Christmas Nothing? Dinner. But a cheese sandwich and a mug of tea. Wow. It's not every day you get a cheese sandwich. No. Nope. Um, that's a, a quote from another book, isn't it? <laughs> now, no. What? The, the American <laughs> resistance <laughs> had dissipated Ooh. all the German momentum as the offensive ground to a halt. Yeah, so we mustn't... So sometimes it's a thing that the British defeated, but the, the, the Americans did a good job of stopping them. Uh, there's something else changed. It's not just the American resistance. What else happens? Well, periods of improved flying weather meant that the Allied air forces could attack the German columns and devastate supply depots, railways and roads. Now, what, uh, what is it particularly that armoured columns need? Well, as a result of this, uh, fuel shortages halted the progress of the 2nd Panzer Division, which had got closest to reaching the Meuse. And what does this mean in all? Well, that Hitler's last gasp gamble was falling apart at the seams. I sometimes think you're falling apart at the seams. I sometimes think you're a last gasp gamble. <laughs> Where are you? Hi! <laughs> I'm last gasp. <laughs> I'm gamble. Anyway, next day, the second Fife and 4th Yeomanry 
Not the 5D forefathers. You notice I'm giving them their You're Sunday title. Very professional. You can't pronounce forefather. Moved forward through Dinant to act as the brigade. I can't pronounce Dinant either. To act as the brigade reserve in the Falman area. Between the heavy snowfalls and icy roads, it was another difficult journey. And once more, you're going to tell us what Lieutenant Alex Gilchrist of Two Troop B Squadron says. The ice. The tanks were swivelling all over the road and off the road. Tracks were coming off. It was a horrible journey. A matter of driving with extreme care, instructing your driver, for God's sake, ease up a bit. If you lost control, you lost control. Once the tracks started sliding, you couldn't do a thing about it. You just had to let it go. Before you knew where you were, you were on your side in a ditch. And and you can imagine, once they get moving, if they start slipping and sliding... They're gone. They're gone. Now here, on the 27th of December, they had some minor contacts with the Germans, with the recce troop excelling itself in taking eight prisoners from the 2nd Panzer Division, of which three proved to be officers. Now, that's a really valuable haul. Yeah, I w- I, when I was doing the book, I was hoping to find more about that, because that sounded like a great story. But that's the problem with oral history. We'd done members of the recce troop, but not those members. And so that story remains a mystery, dear listener. The Germans were clearly in the vicinity, but a search next day to the north of the Less River failed to make contact. More or less river. More or less. And on the 30th of December, the Americans began a counterattack on the German salient, pressing in from the south. And at this point, we'll take a short break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mm. 
Meanwhile, Montgomery was preparing a thrust from the north, time to begin on the 3rd of January, 1945. He was a thrusting general at times. He was. Now, there was no New Year's Eve for the Scots amongst the regiment as they moved forward via Chanley to the village of Restain, which they reached on the 2nd of January during a snowstorm, for uh, which for a while reduced visibility from the tanks to just about nothing. Yeah, over a foot of snow descended. The lads were, they, they talk a lot about this. Uh, and uh, they, they, they're just sliding all over the bloody road. And this is, oh, he's a great guy. He was, uh, he was uh, in later life, he was a judge. And I interviewed him just uh, south of Nottingham. Lieutenant Thomas Heald. He was uh, fairly newly arrived, two troop, A squadron. We got to Restain. It was getting dark. After all, it was January, so it got dark at about four o'clock. I was asked to recce a track up to the top of a feature called Chapel Hill to see whether it was passable by a tank. The three tanks in my troop went up about half or three quarters of a mile up this track. It seemed perfectly passable. We came to a spot where we could turn round, and we were ordered to turn round and come back down to Restain for the night. It was very rare for tanks to spend a night out unless they've got infantry support, and we had no infantry support at the time. Now, this, uh, the, 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 this, that's interesting, because Chapel Hill later is very much contested, but the trouble is they couldn't just stay there, or they thought they couldn't. There's a, a, a follow-up to this. Uh, so they park overnight in, uh, well, the first house they find uh, uh, on the outskirts of Rest- Restone. Now, next morning... The freezing cold has had a bit of an impact on Heald's uh, Sherman. What's happened? When we wanted to start it again, the tank wouldn't start. The starter motor had packed up. One would have thought a starter motor was a simple thing, but the way we had collected the tank, we hadn't got proper spares in the squadron, and they had no spare starter motor. The result was that my tank was out of action for the next day which, as it turned out, was a bit of good luck because I would undoubtedly have been the leading troop the next day and we had four tanks out of 12 in the squadron knocked out that day. They split up the other two tanks into the other troops. At the time, I was furious that there was no other tank for me. Yeah, he would have been the lead because he'd done the recce, so he would have been the front troop. Now, on 3rd of January, a squadron moved forward to take, uh, to ta- to take uh, well, the area near the village of Bure. Uh, that makes a bit of a uh, There may or may not be a map. I, I'm not sure I've got a map of this, and um, but we'll see. There may be one on the internet people yeah. could find. Yeah. Now, this is all part of Montgomery's counterattack. Who's going to conduct this counterattack? Who's going to do it? Well, that's 30 Corps, uh, where the 6th Airborne Division, the 29th Armour Brigade, and the 34th Tank Brigade would launch their assault from a general concentration area to the east of Givet. And 29th Armour Brigade, that's the parent body of uh, lovely 54Fars. And on Chapel Hill, the 2nd, 5th and 4th Fire Yeomanry would be acting in conjunction with the 7th and 13th Parachute Battalions of the 6th Airborne Division. So the plan, the plan. A Squadron, that's going to that's gonna take a, a, uh, Chapel Hill. That's uh, quite big, but a thousand foot high. Uh, then they would give fire support as from up there as the 13th Parachute Battalion put in an attack on Bure. C Squadron would take over when Buell fell, while B Squadron would uh, support the 7th Parachute Battalion in a separate attack on the village of Wavrail, uh, which is, uh, as you know, Gary, I believe, uh, just a couple of miles north of Buell. And as A Squadron crossed the ridge just south of Chapel Hill, they came under fire and lost one tank immediately. And you're going to tell us what Sergeant Roy Valance of 4 Troop A Squadron says. 
We were going up into a huge forested hills covered in snow on one which we called Chapel Hill because there was a little chapel somewhere up on the side. There was a German SP gun. Now he means self-propelled gun, doesn't he? Beside the chapel and the tank next to me fired at it, missed it and it left a neat round hole in the chapel wall. I'd love to see that. Uh, if I remember rightly, Corporal Finley, his tank got the self-propelled gun. On the opposite slope to us, about a mile from us, we fired on some Shermans, which were firing at us. Gary, what's happened? Well, they had captured them from the Americans. Phew. And they had black crosses painted roughly on. It seemed very strange. I brewed one up. I watched the trace of the shot all the way, which was a change. It was a good day for John Buchanan, and this is what Trooper John Buchanan of 4 Troop A Squadron Same says. Same troop then, yeah. We were sent to chase them up Chapel Hill. We were sent along the top of the ridge. There was a big valley. It swept to the other side of the hill. You could look across. The Germans at one side of this valley on the hill and we were at the other side. The snow was very thick. I saw these two German tanks. They were Mark IVs. We knocked them out. Just belted at them. Kept hitting them at the side as they were running across away from us until they stopped. Armour piercing. It went straight in. The smoke came out of them. I got credited with two. Not bad. Uh, now, various delays, there's, there's delays in warfare. I mean, the, the crest of uh, Chapel Hill wasn't cleared until 12 o'clock, 12 noon, I think, at which point A Squadron paused fire into Bure. And at what point, at that point, sorry, the paratroopers charge in uh, and uh, they meet a very strong resistance. It's, uh, it's important to, to emphasise that the Germans can still be extremely resilient and, and, and a deadly fighting force, even at this late stage of the war. Yeah, indeed. Throughout this period, German self-propelled guns proved a real threat. George Davidson, who was usually known as Dodd, he remembered being ambushed by one in the approach to Revelt. And this is Trooper George Davidson of B Squadron. So this is the other at attack, the, the two miles north of you. Yes, he says this. We moved off to the top of this hill to go down to the village down in the valley. The airborne, that sixth airborne, is supposed to be coming down one side. We were going down this side. I was driving with Lieutenant Hale. We just got down the bottom of the hill and the tank in front of us stopped. That had been hit. I was watching through the periscope, the crew jumping out to see they were all safe. Uh, you see, well, yeah. Oh. Jeff Hale said, all right, Dodd, drive on. I put my foot down on the pedal. Nothing happened. I looked round at the dials. No needles flickering. All of a sudden, bail out, bail out. We'd been hit. I never felt it. It went through the engine doors at the back. That one brewed up. Uh, anyway, we all got out and got back. The only casualty was the wireless operator from the tank in front of us. He hurt his ankle as he jumped down from the tank. There were some trees up on the top of the hill and there'd been a German SP tank stationed that had let, let us go past and shot us through the engine doors, i.e. from behind. So they'd gone past and then took them from... Hit him up the arse, Gary. And Ron Forbes was also involved in a duel that had unexpected consequences as their 17-pounder let rip at a German self-propelled gun. So this is also the attack on Wavrel. And this is Trooper Ron Forbes of 4 Troop B Squadron. We were up on a slope, tucked in under the eaves of a house. When this self-propelled came out of the woods, we fired on it. In firing, the flash and the explosion of the gun going off, all the slates fell off the sloping roof and we were covered in slates. We missed it and it disappeared, withdrew quickly. We had to get out gingerly and clear the slates off. We couldn't traverse the turret or anything. 
That's uh, quite quite amusing, that one. Meanwhile, the fight is raging on back at Bure. Uh, as Sea Squadron move into Bure, the weather, it degenerates. It degenerates, Gary, into just a, a series of blizzards. And what do you think visibility's like? Well, it's almost nothing. It's a whiteout. One tank was lost to a mine, then another to an AP round from an unknown origin. origin. Well, they couldn't see, could they? So they can't say, normally they'll have a guess, it'll be a tiger, you know, or whatever, but, uh, yeah. When night fell, the parachutists had only about a third of the village, and it was decided that one troop of tanks would have to stay with them to give them close support. That's unusual. While the rest of C Squadron moved back a couple of miles to Lager overnight in Tellin, the supply lorries had a great deal of trouble getting through. And once more, you're going to tell us what Trooper Jeff Hayward, or sorry, for the first time actually, you're he, going to tell us what he's Trooper been in Jeff, a lot of the other podcasts. Jeff and Hayward he's the only MT section. He's the only one still left alive of the ones we've done today. Uh, he, we had to slither rather than drive over these icy roads, following this column led by a sergeant from. Falmignul to the village of Bure, where we could hear gunfire in the darkness. As we got down into the village, the shelling started, and I and the petrol truck driver both jumped out of our vehicles because we sensed that there were things landing close. The nearest shelter we could find was crouched down behind a garden wall between the house and the wall in the garden until the shelling stopped. Then we got back into our vehicles and did whatever we had to do in the way of supply. I doled out the stuff. As we were getting back into the lorries, this other chap, he said he'd got a pain in his back. When I looked, I could see his clothing had been ripped. He managed to drive back, but he got whisked away. He got shrapnel in his back. I was right next to him and I'd escaped. Always the soldier. Always, uh, he was shrapnel, but I was all right. On the morning of 4th of January, the Germans accurately targeted the remaining Sea Squadron tanks left behind in Bure, knocking out all three. A further troop was dispatched forward, but one of these was also promptly brewed up. Now this is, in Bure, what I would call this a stalemate's developing. Both shells are pouring in shells, and, and the, neither side can get any further. So the Germans can't get kickers out, and, and the British can't get take the village um now there's numerous close escapes but somehow despite the shells exploding all around the squadron there were a few casualties there were not many casualties Mm. yeah that's why i said few after a day that seemed to last forever the squadron was withdrawn at night to lager back in telling i'm just laughing at your inability to tell the difference between a few and few yeah, you just carry on laughing. <laughs> now, one of the luckiest men in the regiment was Robert Nurse, uh, who missed the earlier fighting as he'd been dispatched to collect rations. On rejoining his tank, he, he found the man who'd replaced him briefly, Trooper Leslie Lines, had been killed. Uh, what does Robert Nurse say about that? I found Lamont and was told where the tank was. Got into the tank with one of these, uh, uh, with one of those peculiar-shaped American torches, and it was covered in blood. I've been replaced by another guy called Trooper Les Lines. He had an 88mm shell go through just above the periscope and it had just taken his head off. Again, I was extremely lucky. He was. Uh, not so lucky for Trooper Les Lines, though. Yeah, we've said this before, haven't we? People look at their, their own luck, understandably, but it's usually somebody else's misfortune. It's, 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 yeah, poor old Les Lines. 
Now, throughout this period, A Squadron and the regimental headquarters, uh, they're still up on Chapel Hill, where we left them, and they're still providing that fire support. Uh, And and it's crucial to what's going on in Bure. They are crucial to the defence or the attack on Bure. Now, they're up on a... How do you think it was like up on a thousand-foot snow-coloured... Coloured? You can't tell the difference between covered and coloured. No, apparently not. I'll just laugh at that. (laughs) I think think it's white coloured. But I think the point you're making is that they're suffering. It's absolutely freezing. And as lorries couldn't get up the hill, their supplies had to be dragged up by hand all the way to the top. Would you have complained about dragging something up the hill? No, but I'd have had a few observations. (laughs) And this is Captain Steel Brownlee of HQA Squadron. With darkness, we harboured near the chapel, which was in ruins. A body lay in the brushwood, apparently the commander of the SB. We sat at eight in the tank. There was no wind, no more snow, but it grew colder and colder. The ground was too hard for digging, so we decided to sleep in the tank. Jock McKinnon, driver, and Mackenzie, co-driver, in their seats down front. Buck Buchanan, gunner, on the deck below the gun. Norman Ingram, operator, on top of the gun, self on the floor, with feet in one sponsor and head in the other. Sleep! <laughs> I think that's the wrong word, isn't it? <laughs> Within minutes, the icy cold of the metal seeped through your clothing and the breath froze on your lips. I lit a candle in a tin lid and a fat lot of good it did. <laughs> I do like... All huddled round a candle, yeah. I do like Steel Brownlee. Now, it says something for the British soldier that Roy Valence was perhaps typical in finding the worst thing over the period was the difficulty in maintaining a steady supply of hot tea. Where's my tea? On the 5th of January, they were relieved by the 23rd Hussars. That's easy to say. Yes, it is. <laughs> and moved back in convoy to Welling. <laughs> How do you say convoy? <laughs> convoy to Welling, behind Restain. On the way, at least one convoy was shot at by some American fighters, as John Buchanan recalls. And this is John Buchanan of 4 Troop A Squadron. We were winding our way through the countryside. We were dive-bombed by American planes. The Americans said it was Germans, but we say it was American planes. One of our boys was killed. The tanks were all nose to tail, and I was the lead tank. I said to my driver, my officer had gone somewhere, I says... Let's get out of here. We were trapped with this wood on one side, hills on the other. I landed in a field, one tank in a field, and the planes came for me. I was trying to hide underneath the engine, inside the tank. I said to Norman, can you get her out? He said, no, he was underneath the gun. Mackenzie, the co-driver, he was outside with the brain gun trying to shoot them. I like the implication that it's Mackenzie. That's mad. I can just picture Mackenzie stood there with a brain going. (laughs) Now, they'd remain in a reserve role in Welling for a week, which, as the weather improved, allowed the men to relax a little bit. Well, they probably needed it after that. Now, what's happened to the German offensive, would you say, Gaz? Well, by this time, it's pretty much run out of steam. The improved weather left the Germans wide open to air attack, and although the Americans occasionally made much, uh, their much-criticised mistakes in targeting, they were also capable of harassing the Germans to distraction. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, the second uh, five four fires weren't uh, required for any uh, counterattacks, uh, and uh, the, the, again, there's this, this fascinating thing about the recce troop, which is missing, because in the uh, regimental history written uh, in the 50s, the, there's reference 
reference to a spot of boar hunting in the woods. Uh, I just <laughs> shooting boars in the wood. Then at last came the news they'd been hoping for. They were to be once more pulled out of action, dumped the Shermans, and then resumed their delay training on the new comets at Eep. Well, that's nice. Uh, that would That's for them. I mean, there's other things, but the, the Battle of the Bulge is over for them. And uh, uh, the Ameri- was it over for the Americans? No, they'd continue fighting hard until the end of January, by which time they'd eradicated the Bulge and the Germans were back where they'd started. I'd say that's one more nail in the German coffin. Yes. Well, happy Christmas, dear listeners. Happy Christmas, listeners. And don't forget to read your laugh or cry when Santa does whatever Santa does. Cheers, Pete. Cheers, Gary. Thanks for listening to the show. Blah, blah, blah. If you'd like to support blah, us, blah, you can now buy us a coffee. Blah, blah, Visit www.buymeacoffee.com backslash PGMH. Or visit www.blahblahblahblahblah. And we'd be jolly grateful. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook to learn more about each episode. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you have a couple of options. You can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee forward slash PGMH or consider subscribing to the podcast for only £2 per month and get ad-free listening and bonus content. You can find links for both on our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Sounds great, doesn't it?